3: The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live.
4: Nice and clean, execute our race for a position position. Got to be there at the end. Yep, copy that.
5: Have a nice, smooth day and try to be there when it counts.
6: Kyle Larson trying to rally speed in the outside lane, but it's not there. Off turn number two, it's
2: Kenny Johnson with the lead. Here they come off again to the back straightaway for the final time here in Homestead. Jimmy Johnson with the lead and a walk-off for the ages as he hits
6: the main straightaway. They've been fighting adversity all weekend long, and they've come through every one of the problems, and they come home victorious. Jimmy Johnson wins at homestead and scores on history-making seventh championship. Oh my God. No!
3: We did it. We did it. NASCAR Live is brought to you by Wheeland Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry. Trusted to perform since 1952 by Xfinity X5, internet that's more than just fast. Xfinity, proud premier partner of NASCAR. And by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the motor racing network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. From the MRN studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley.
2: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you for a show that is chock full of little nuggets and information. We are going to spray a lot of fields on this show this week. We're going to be joined by NASCAR Hall of Famer, Rusty Wallace. We're going to get Rusty's thoughts on last weekend's NASCAR Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Uptown Charlotte. Plus, we're also going to get his thoughts on the upcoming 2022 NASCAR Cup Series season and his thoughts on another driver taking the reins of the car that he took to prominence, that number two car. We're also going to connect with our old friend Jimmy Johnson. He's preparing for this weekend's Rolex 24 at Daytona. We're also going to continue our countdown to the Daytona 500. And we're going to take a look back at in 1993, and the running of the Great American Race from that year, we're also going to welcome a new member, but a familiar face to the Motor Racing Network team. And we're going to catch up with Team Penske rookie Austin Cendrick as he, too, is headed to Daytona to race in the Rolex 24 before he starts his NASCAR Cup Series career. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with the latest in headlines. Kyle, what are we working with this week?
7: Mike, yesterday NASCAR announced a new penalty procedure as we begin the new era of the next gen car. The biggest change is how stiff the L3 penalties are. If a team were to counterfeit or modify a vendor supplied part, that team could be penalized up to 50 playoff points, be suspended for a race, or even have their playoff eligibility revoked. NASCAR is also continuing to test the next gen car this week at the Phoenix Raceway in Arizona. Teams are out in the desert for a two day test at the home of the championship race. This is the last scheduled test before the season gets rolling next week at the Bush Light Clash at the Coliseum in Los Angeles. Finally, Colleg Racing announced the full schedule for their number 16 cup car. It was previously announced that A.J. Allmendinger, Daniel Hemrick and Noah Gregson would split the full schedule. Now we know that Allmendinger will pilot the car for 16 races, and will make his debut at the L.A. Coliseum next week. Hemrick will have eight races and debut in the Daytona 500, and Gregson will drive the car 14 times and will make his debut at the Atlanta Motor Speedway in March. Mike?
2: Thank you, Kyle. Coming up, we're going to sit down with seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson, and later, we're going to take a trip down memory lane to the 1993 Daytona 500. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Coming up Saturday and Sunday at Daytona International Speedway, it's going to be the unofficial kickoff to the 2022 North American Motorsports calendar. The Rolex 24, the the twice-around-the-clock classic, the 60th renewal of this race. And, man, the paddock is going to be full of racing royalty and names like you wouldn't believe, including seven-time Cup Series champion, Jimmy Johnson. He's getting ready to make a go of it in his Cadillac. Had a chance to catch up with Jimmy and see where he is as he gets ready to run the Rolex 24 Daytona. Welcome back to NASCAR Live, Jimmy. How are we doing?
8: I'm fantastic. How are you, buddy?
2: I think it's safe to say that you aced the NASCAR portion of your career, and now you've moved on to IndyCar, sports cars, and other challenges as well. How difficult is that? Because we see guys... Jumping back and forth between cars, like Kyle Larson, for example, he'll go run a world of outlaws, he'll run a cup race. He makes it look so simple, and it's not. How has this been for you, and what are those challenges like?
8: Yeah, it is extremely challenging. Um, You know, when when, through my career, I've really just stayed focused on NASCAR. So there there is a specific skill set to jump from car to car, series to series track to track um and someone like larson who's just been doing it you know through his whole life makes it look effortless and uh and super simple um and then you add the dimension of uh of an indie car and, and its performance advantages uh, those take a, another skill set on top of all the other ones that, that were just mentioned so it's been a huge challenge But it's one that I'm I'm really enjoying. I'm surrounded by a great group of people at Chip Ganassi Racing, Um, a lot of friends that work on the team, and everybody's trying to help me learn and grow and and be the best that I can be in these cars. I
2: saw a tweet from you, I think it was a week or two ago, that I never saw you send before. And you talked about how you're looking forward to the month of May, not to slight our friends at the Charlotte Motor Speedway for the Coca-Cola 600. That obviously was geared towards the Indianapolis 500. Does the month of May this year take on a whole different complexion for you and a whole and a whole different looking forward to process?
8: Oh, it really does. Um, You know, for obvious reasons of of competing in a race that uh, was my my dream race as a kid and watching it from from El Cajon, California with my dad and my grandfather. Uh, So there are all those kind of personal, emotional meanings that come with it. Um, but then, you know, just culturally, when you look through IndyCar, it is the most important race for all the teams. And, and we have a mantra, um, a kind of goal sheet that's set out at Chip Ganassi Racing. And the first goal is to win the Indy 500. The second goal for the company is to win the championship. So it just frames it and how important it is over here and in, in the culture and certainly the culture of CGR.
2: Now, I know it's been a while, but as we transition now and get back into Rolex 24 talk, You ran your first Rolex 24 18 years ago, back in 2004, and you've done it several times since. It's a twice-around-the-clock race. Do you remember your first race in the Rolex?
8: Oh, I really do. Absolutely. I was with the Crawford Group, and uh, just had an awesome time.
2: What do you remember the most about it?
8: Just how hard it was to get rest. Um, I felt like it would be easy to shut my brain off and go to sleep. Um, And then I, I literally maybe got you know, 60 to 90 minutes of rest was all, and and that's all fine and dandy until you realize, you know, the race officially starts with like two hours to go. So after 22 hours of of trying to protect and take care of your equipment, then the sprint race starts, and um, I, I mean, I was just exhausted after that first one. I had no idea that I'd have to dig that deep physically uh, and mentally to get through the 24-hour race. You relied
2: on your physical fitness and whatnot in your NASCAR career. We've talked about it a lot. But does that really come into play in endurance races like this? Because, you know, people say, well, you know what? It starts Saturday. It ends on Sunday. But to your point, there's a lot that goes on in 24 hours, including the stamina side does your physical fitness regimen help you in that
8: for sure you know, sports car Indy car you know I think the more downforce the vehicle has the more g-forces the driver's dealing with the more important your uh, physical conditioning is and you know for me in NASCAR I, I, I know I overdid it for a long time and was more fit than I ever needed to be but for me there was also many kind of mental wins that came along with it and the account- accountability to uh, a fitness program and being uh, you know, in the best shape that I could be, eating as clean as I could you know all all that goes into that just hardwired my brain differently and and there was like a parallel path to the commitment and and approach required to. Uh, being on top in NASCAR and driving for Chad Knauss and Hendrick Motorsports. So, um, you know, oftentimes people just think the physical aspect, and it's, it's more of a necessity now than it's ever been. But there, there's a huge mental uh, takeaway from that, and, and it's not for everyone. I mean, it certainly worked good for me. You know, Smoke was able to win plenty of championships, and, and he always joked with me that he had body by Burger King. And, you know, I just had to go about it a different way.
2: Chatting with Jimmy Johnson getting ready to go in the 60th Rolex 24 Daytona. I mentioned at the beginning of this interview – the star-studded nature of this race it seems like that drivers from every walk of motorsports life convene in the last sunday or the last weekend of january at daytona does that afford you the opportunity to get to know other people have you forged friendships or gotten to know people that you otherwise wouldn't have gotten to know if you weren't running that race
8: without a doubt um you know i think back to um, really being able to spend time with Dario and there the, the first couple of times. I mean, we knew each other, we'd see each other once a year, but we'd actually be able to hang out and, and got to know each other really well through the Rolex 24. It's also the first place. I met Scott Dixon. And, and, you know, here you mentioned it was 18 years ago. So 18 years later now here I am working with both those guys at Chip Ganassi Racing. Pretty
2: amazing to watch everybody come together. Everybody has their own agenda, put all the cars out there, And you turn them loose. You talk about the stamina nature of the Rolex 24. What are some of the other challenges that you go through that your teammates that maybe your team or other teams will go through over the course of that 24 hours?
8: Yeah, over the 24 hours, I mean, you you need to take care of your car and it's tough to do because um, the level of driver that's that's in all the pro categories is so high. Um, If you read through the entry sheet, you just shake your head um, just how how much talent is there and that just raises the pace. So now, now you're, you know, truly close, you know, close if not at a hundred percent effort dealing with, you know, 60 other cars on track that you need to dodge. And there are some amateurs layered into the race. Uh, so, so being on your toes there, um, and then weather, weather's always such a big, um, you know, variable that we fight through Um, I'll have three other drivers that I share the car with. And as we go through testing um, in the roar and then the race itself, we get a sense of of who does better in twilight, who does better in full darkness, who's better in the wet, who's better in a drying condition, who's better in the heat of the day. And the team starts strategizing and tries to put the right driver in at the right time.
2: Not going to lie. We miss you to this very day. There's a lot of people that miss you in the 48, miss you at all the racetracks that we go to. But we monitor and we cheer from afar. And we wish you the best, not only in the Rolex 24, but in your 2022 NTT IndyCar Series campaign
8: as well. I appreciate it, buddy, and hope to see you soon.
2: That seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson, one of four drivers that's going to wheel the Ally Cadillac in the Rolex 24. You've got Jimmy. You've got Kamui Kobayashi. you got Jose Maria Lopez and Mike Rockenfeller all going to team up to try to take that 48 car to victory lane. And if they do, it would be Jimmy Johnson's first win in the Rolex 24. Coming up, we're going to take you back to Dale Jarrett's 1993 Daytona 500 victory. And later, we'll welcome NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace back to the show.
0: NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those cameras up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc.
3: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley.
2: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We're about three weeks away from being back in Daytona for the stock car portion of Speed Weeks for the 64th running of the Daytona 500. We continue our countdown, and we also continue our flashbacks to the great American race. Today, we're going to go back to 1993 and that legendary win for the Jarrett family. The 1993
9: season marked the dawn of a new era for NASCAR. Richard Petty's storied career had concluded in 1992 while Jeff Gordon was getting set for his first full-time cup season in 93. All eyes were on Daytona Beach for the 35th running of the Daytona 500 and storylines abounded in the lead-up to the great American race. Petty's son Kyle won the poll while Gordon made history when he became the youngest winner ever of a Daytona qualifying race. While Petty would lead the field to a green flag waved by his father, it would be Gordon leading the first line lap
10: the Pontiac Firebird pulls down pit road. Richard Petty, the honorary starter, waves the green flag. And Petty
6: puts a lot of energy into it as they cross the start finish line. Underway in the Daytona 500 by STP. Good, clean start. Everybody stays door to door as they head down to turn one. Dan even racing off into turn one for the very first lap. Kyle Petty now begins to get a fender out in front of Dale Jarrett. Right behind him, Jeff Gordon gets right up on the rear duck of Kyle. Kyle now drifts up a bit. Jeff looks down low for a chance to get by, but Kyle holds on to the lead off turn two. Now Kyle Petty writes smack halfway in between the inside and outside line of cars. Now he'll move up into the outside lane. Now he'll go back to the middle, and Dale Jarrett powers by on the outside. Jeff Gordon down to the inside, racing for the lead. Three wide as they enter the corner, but now Gordon backs out of it, and Kyle Petty gets shuffled back a couple of positions. His Pontiac
10: being passed on the inside and the outside as Jeff Gordon leads off turn four. Kyle Petty still can't get out of that middle lane. They bypass him either way back to the stripe. Lap one of 200. Jeff Gordon on the low side of the racetrack leads the first lap of the Daytona 500.
9: Cautions flew in the opening laps of the race because of engine failures for Dick Trickle and Jimmy Hensley. After those two yellows, things would settle down with Dale Earnhardt, Ken Schrader and Petty swapping the lead. At lap 130, with Earnhardt in the lead, the first major incident took place.
10: Oh, trouble here on the main straightaway as one car gets somewhat airborne but quickly slams to the ground. Sterling Marlin's car, the Raybestos machine, goes sliding through the infield grass. He will stay off of the Daytona logo here at the start-finish line area. Get the car slowed and now continues away, but caution is on the speedway.
9: The saying cautions breed cautions proved true in this race, as the second half was much more chaotic than the first. A number of contenders were eliminated in the final 50 laps alone, including both Ernie Irvin and pole sitter Petty, who were swept up in separate incidents, not of their making. Trouble on the, on the back straightaway.
6: One car in the wall right in the middle of the field, spinning around down the stretch into the outside wall as the field scatters by. It's Ernie Urban. The Kodak Chevrolet torn up on the right side. Everyone else will get by, but Urban is in the wall on the back stretch. Trouble coming out into the dog leg. Two cars get together. Bobby Hillen Jr. is out of control. Al Unser also Jr. is out of control. Both spin down on the apron of the racetrack. Remarkably, everybody will get by as they have slid about 12 or 1,500 feet, but at the last second, Kyle Petty will slam into Bobby Hillen Jr. He had absolutely nowhere to go.
9: While those crashes had an impact on the storyline of the race, the most memorable incident of the day took place with 31 laps to go when Derek Cope and Michael Waltrip collected Rusty Wallace and sent Wallace's car airborne.
6: Michael Waltrip breaks loose off turn two. The car goes spinning down to the inside. Rusty Wallace flips one, two, three times. gyrations down the back straightaway, still spinning, finally coming to a rest about halfway down the back straightaway. The cars involved, Michael Waltrip, down to the inside, Derek Cope involved, and Rusty Wallace, badly mangled Pontiac here on the back straightaway. Wallace
9: was able to walk away from the incident, but the caution which resulted set up a showdown in the final laps between Earnhardt, Gordon, and Dale Jarrett. Earnhardt had the dominant car and led the most laps on the day, but as they took the white flag the other Dale assumed
6: the lead. A little less than three miles down to the checkered flag and down to the inside comes Dale Jarrett. Now they draft to the start-finish line and the rookie driver is going to draft with Dale Earnhardt to try and push him back to the front. They're heading for turn one the final time. Get even up front. It's Dale Jarrett down on the inside. Earnhardt in the outside lane. Drafting help behind Jarrett is Jeff Bodine. It'll slide Jarrett up front. He's in front of Earnhardt. Now it's Bodine diving to the inside. He'll try to pull even with Jarrett. Hunt Strickland draws up behind Jeff Bodine. Three cars on the outside, two cars on the inside. Halfway down the back straightaway. Jarrett leading by a car length. Earnhardt fades back off his back bumper. Jarrett to turn three. Jeff Bodine is shuffled to the back end. Now battles with Jeff Gordon for the third spot. Up front, Dale Jarrett leads. Dale Earnhardt off turn four
10: by one car length. Back to the checker. Here they come off turn number four. Dale Jarrett's got the lead. He goes to the inside. Earnhardt's not going to get him. Dale Jarrett is going to win the Daytona 500 by STP. Earnhardt second. I've been trying to say where I could uh, make a move to,
6: to try to get by him. I knew that I was going to kind of have to do it by myself, and my car was really working good up high, and I got a run on Jeff there, and then uh, Dale kind of slid up the racetrack there, and uh, I don't know if his car got loose or pushed right there, but it uh, gave me a run down on the bottom. I was still wide open, and everything just worked out perfect. Uh, we touched a little bit, and I didn't know if I was going to get by him. Uh, I think Jeff Bodine helped me get by him going down to one, and uh, once I got there, I thought they'd have a hard time getting by me.
9: That victory marked the start of what would prove to be years of success success at Daytona for Jarrett, as well as the first sign that Joe Gibbs Racing, just beginning its second season in the sport, would be a force to be reckoned with for years to come.
2: You'll be able to listen to that race in its entirety later this week on MRN's Classic Races. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up, NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace and a history of NASCAR Cup Series drivers racing in the Rolex 24. NASCAR Live is
3: brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast and you won't stink.
2: Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live on Friday evening in Uptown Charlotte. We celebrated the legacies of Dale Earnhardt Jr., Mike Stefanik, and Red Farmer, all three We're officially inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And joining us right now is our very own NASCAR Hall of Famer, Rusty Wallace, is back. Rusty, how are we doing, my friend?
5: Hey, I tell you what, Mike, I'm doing fantastic. We had a great time at the Hall of Fame the other night. I was there on Thursday night and Friday night watching everybody, and it was all smiles. It was a really great couple days down there.
2: What is it like being on that stage, being inducted into the highest honor this sport can bestow on a driver?
5: It's an incredible feeling when you look out and you see almost 2,000 people in this, uh, out there in the audience, and, and there's really nobody judging you. They're all there to, to put you in the Hall of Fame and say a bunch of nice things about you instead of say you know, say you're at the racetrack and you're getting ready to be announced for the start of the Daytona 500. Some might boo you, some might cheer for you. But I'll tell you what, down at the Hall of Fame, when you get inducted, everybody's cheering for you. They're all smiling, and it's just a wonderful feeling.
2: How much time do you spend reminiscing? Like I, I thought about Dale Jr. We saw what was in his case. And, you know, you had one of those and, and everybody does. That allows a driver or whoever is being inducted to take a, take a step down memory lane. What was that trip down memory lane like for you when you got inducted?
5: Uh, just a lot of memories about, you know, my first win and, and a lot of the short track stuff, my upbringing, a lot of talking about the people that helped me from around the country, uh, that type of stuff. Uh, on Thursday night, uh, I was sitting at a table with Dale Jr. and his wife, Amy, and uh, he was just drilling me me with questions about, you know, the past, a lot of them about his father. You know, he was under the uh, assumption for a while there that me and his dad didn't get along. I said, Junior, where in the world did you get that? He said, well, you guys always raced each other so hard. I said, well, maybe so. I said, but, you know, we did a lot of vacationing together down to Palmas, We hung out. We were just wonderful friends. He said, boy, I know that now, but I actually didn't know that back then because you guys raced each other so hard it was unreal. And and so I was educating him a lot and he was just reminiscing with me and it's it pretty obvious that he was excited to get in the Hall of Fame and, and then watching how excited Red Farmer was and then Mike Stefanic's wife did a wonderful speech on him. All those type of things, you know, but you know, going back to what it's like, it was just just like I said, just a lot of conversation about things that aren't going on right now and there wasn't much conversation about the new car there wasn't much conversation about going to California none of that it was talking about the past and where everybody came from
2: you know you talked about red farmer he's 89 years old and he was asked I mean he still races to this very day on on local short tracks you know at the age of 89 he says he's not cracking the throttle anytime soon he's making most of you retirees look weak can we get you back into a driver's uniform somewhere (laughs)
5: No, I'm going to leave it up to Red. I I think he did a great job. And, you know, I was talking to him. He said, yeah, man, about three days ago, I had to have a new heart valve put in, but it'll be cured up, and I'll be ready for day one of racing. I said, okay. He's a beast. uh, Man, i tell you what, he doesn't want to slow up at all. And, uh, you know, I really learned a lot about Red Farmer. I had no idea when Bobby and Donnie Allison were talking about him when he came up from Miami, how great of a racer he was. I mean, I think Bobby and Donnie considered Red Farmer to be better than both of them. So, but, uh, boy, I tell you, Red had some wonderful stories.
2: It was great. It was a fantastic time chatting with NASCAR hall of famer, Rusty Wallace. Let's shift the conversational gears. We're on the, we're on the doorstep of another racing season week from Sunday. Got the, uh, got the clash at the Coliseum. going to take a week break. Then we have speed weeks, 2022 at Daytona with this brand new race car. What is it like in the shop at this time of year right now? And how is that compounded with everybody trying to get all the parts and pieces they need and Get all the cars put together and get ready to go for another season of racing.
5: Well, right now I'm in Mooresville, North Carolina. That's where my shop's at. And that's where almost all the NASCAR shops are at, the majority of them, up here in Mooresville. Uh, So much so they call it Race City USA. Well, there's a lot of uh, restaurants around here that everybody frequents. And it seems like every single time I go into one of these restaurants of late, they're all talking about the new car. And yesterday's conversation was, hey, the parts are going to be ready, but... Boy, not many parts. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are actually taking, if there's such a thing as maybe their B car or even their C car, out to California to race on the uh, the Coliseum. Uh, but, boy, everybody's bringing all their good stuff, to Daytona 500. But I'm not hearing four and five cars and all that. I'm hearing two, maybe three. And uh, a lot of them are struggling getting stuff done and getting all the parts they need. So it's going to be a push. It's going to be a tough, tough deal getting all these things ready for the Daytona 500. But, you know, what, Mike, it always happens that way when you bring out something new. It, it takes a while to get used to it and get all the parts and pieces you need. And I can tell you that's all the teams are talking about right now.
2: I don't want to date you, and I don't want to age you, so I'll be careful with how I ask this question. What Do you remember going through a transition from one car to another, when you drove, obviously, we're on the seventh generation. They had to swap cars around a couple of times when you were an active driver. What was that like when you were driving and you had a brand new car to drive the following season?
5: Well, I, the one thing I can comment on pretty good is um, maybe not different series of cars, but different cars. I mean, we switched from Pontiac to Ford. I won my championship in a Pontiac. Then we switched to Ford. Then we switched from Ford to Dodge. And those are massive changes. You're talking complete body changes. You're talking about getting rid of all the engines and, you know, switching from a General Motors engine to a Ford engine and then switching from a Ford engine to a Dodge engine. I mean, this wasn't like switching from Pontiac to Chevy where the engines are the same, but the bodies are different. I went through all that.
2: The transition to the next gen car, about 99% complete as we get ready for the Bush Clash at the Coliseum. When that race takes the green flag in whatever race, a qualifying race or the main event, there's going to be one of many new drivers that's going to be in that field. That's going to be Austin Sendrick. He's going to take the reins of the Penske number 2 car, a car that you've driven and a car that you took to much notoriety. Are you territorial about who drives your race car? Kurt Busch drove it. Brad Keselowski drove it. Now Austin's going to climb in behind the wheel. Do you do you monitor that? Do you keep track of that? Do you do you take that car's performance personally of what it does on the racetrack?
5: Well, I, I got to be honest with you, I do. I really do take it serious because I mean, I remember myself and Don Miller and Roger Penske and Walt Zarnicki starting that team. I remember us trying to think of the the number we're going to use, and, and and we were able to get a hold of DK Ulrich back in the day, and he had number two. And we were able to get that number from DK and. And I remember all four of us sitting down designing the shape of the number two, what we want it to look like it. If you remember, the number two is kind of fat on the bottom leg, and then it's got a sweeping uh, look at the top. It's a really great looking number two. I mean, there's many number twos out there, but I'm telling you what, there was a lot of put uh, a lot of thought put into the shape of that number. And so, I mean, remember starting a team with nothing up here in Mooresville, North Carolina, building a uh, a brand new building and starting a brand new team and buying the property from the late Bill Simpson to, to to get the thing going. And it was a single car team back then, just a the two car. And my gosh, man, we wanted a bunch of races. So yeah, whoever drives that car to me is, you know, there. Is, I, I want them to respect the ride and I, I it's a great choice putting Austin centric in, you know, I, I think he's going to, he's already proved that he knows how to drive the car and he's fast. And um, you know, his father, I know him real, real good. And he's a great guy. And we actually went, he actually went out to Sturgis South Dakota with me uh, uh Tim Sendrick and the guy's did one year. We had a great time taking him out there motorcycle riding and stuff, so I get along with the family real well and i'm I'm really happy that they put him in there because he's a young guy that respects it uh understands the Penske way and uh I think he's going to fit right in there.
2: It's going to be a potent 1-2-3 punch for Team Penske. You're going to have Austin joining Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney. You're a part of a potent one two, three punch here at Motor Racing Network. You'll be joining Jeff Striegel and Alex Hayden in the booth for Speed Weeks 2022. We appreciate the time, as always, and we can't wait to see you at the World Center Racing, Rusty. Uh, I'm excited
5: about it. I won't be out at the, the Coliseum, but I'll be ready to go for the Daytona 500, the 150 uh, the week, uh, a couple days before that. So. I'll be down to all the speed weeks with the Motor Racing Network, all our our team. We're going to have a great
2: time. That's Rusty Wallace joining us, our NASCAR Hall of Famer. Coming up, we'll learn all about the history of the Cup Series drivers racing in the Rolex 24. And later, one of those drivers will join the show here on NASCAR Live.
3: Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network.
4: This is NASCAR Live.
2: Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. We chatted with Jimmy Johnson earlier in the show about his participation in the Rolex 24. He's not the only former or current NASCAR Cup Series driver to race in the event. Let's check out some of the others that have competed in the the twice-around-the-clock challenge.
6: Welcome back, everyone, to the Daytona International Speedway and in the 50th running of the Rolex
9: 24 at Daytona. The 60th Rolex 24 at Daytona will take place this weekend at Daytona International Speedway. Throughout its proud 60-year history, the 24 hours of Daytona has been intertwined with some of NASCAR's best, and it will be that way again this weekend when seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson suits up. Johnson is not the only former Cup Series champion to participate in the annual sports car endurance event. Following his 2020 NASCAR Cup Series championship, Hendrick Motorsports driver Chase Elliott participated in his first 24 Hours of Daytona. After his dominating 2021 Cup season, Kyle Larson has won everywhere and everything in the racing world, or so it would seem. It should come as no surprise then that he and Jamie McMurray were two of the drivers who helped Chip Ganassi Racing win the Rolex 24 in 2015. Jeff Gordon drove in the 24 Hours of Daytona in 2007, but 10 years later, he can- Came back for the biggest moment ever enjoyed in the race by a previous Hendrick Motorsports Cup driver. Gordon's return in 2017 came just two months after his retirement from the NASCAR Cup Series, and he scored the victory in the Rolex 24 with Wayne Taylor Racing. The four time NASCAR Cup Series champion became the fourth driver to win both the overall Rolex title and the Daytona 500. Joining Mario Andretti, A.J. Foyt,
10: and Jamie McMurray.
7: It is A.J. Allmendinger off of the final turn
10: here at Daytona. He goes around Dane Cameron in the Salem's GT, and here they come to the stripe. The checkered flag being held high. The checkered flag is being waved. A.J. Allmendinger and Michael Shank Racing winning the 50th anniversary of the Rolex 24 at Daytona.
9: Of course, the 24 is not just for Cup Series champions. NASCAR regular A.J. Allmendinger has been a mainstay at the Rolex 24, first competing in the event in 2006 and every year following, except for 2017. In fact, Allmendinger was at the wheel for the final stint to post the win in 2012. Casey Mears has one win in the NASCAR Cup Series coming in 2007 at the Coca-Cola 600 in Charlotte. But a year earlier, he had become one of the few NASCAR drivers to take home a free Rolex timepiece by winning the 24 Hours
6: of Daytona in 2006. I've been putting off buying one in hopes that we'd get one, and, and these guys
8: did an excellent job. I mean, really... Uh, being teamed up with uh, Chip Ganassi and, and him inviting me to come back and do this was just awesome. Felix Sabatis, I want to thank all these guys that came out here, you know, all over the night. I mean, they did a, one hell of a job getting this car back on track when we had problems. And I uh, did a great job of, of, of putting a reliable car in. So thank you to Target. Thank you to Lexus, everybody that's here. Scott and Dan did an excellent job, and uh, I'm just happy to be a part of it. It was an awesome deal. While Juan
9: Pablo Montoya has two NASCAR Cup Series victories to his name, he is by far the most accomplished former Cup Series driver when it comes to the Rolex 24 at Daytona with three wins, coming in 2007, 2008, and 2013 with Chip Ganassi Racing.
7: For the 709th time in the last 24 hours, he makes his way onto NASCAR banking turn number three, Juan Pablo Montoya, the race leader for the final time here in the Rolex. Rolex 24.
10: Juan Pablo Montoya, Memo Rojas, the great Scott Pruitt, Charlie Kimball, all waiting to accept the checkered flag. It is in the air. It is waving the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Won by Chip Ganassi Racing with Felix Sabates. A great run. whole to checkers.
9: The 24 Hours of Daytona has also played host to other legendary names in NASCAR. For example, former Cup Series champion and NASCAR Hall of Famer Rusty Wallace participated in his one and only Rolex 24 in 2006. In 1995, NASCAR Hall of Famer Mark Martin was part of a team with actor Paul Newman that won its class at the Rolex.
7: Well, I, I knew we could take the overall if that uh, 10 car would break, you know, and uh, our car would keep plugging away. Uh, this Roush team, you know, they're the heroes of this whole deal, uh, winning 10 of these things. They know how to do it. They put the right car under us. and. Uh, It was just there all, all, you know, the whole 24 hours. We never had to do anything to the car but just drive it.
9: And in 2001, the father-son duo of Dale Earnhardt and Dale Earnhardt Jr. teamed for a fourth-place finish just two weeks before the elder Earnhardt's tragic passing.
6: It it feels good, I think it's something we might, would would like to try to do again. Um, We enjoyed it immensely. Uh, Corvette and Chevrolet, they were all really They were all really great, and it just accepted us. And even with our inexperience and whatnot, they still uh, brought us in here and treated us well. And We're really happy about that.
9: The tradition of the Rolex 24 at Daytona continues this weekend. And whether this year or in years to come, it is sure to be a race which continues to draw interest from the NASCAR Cup Series community.
2: Coming up, one of those Cup Series participants in this weekend's Rolex 24 at Daytona. Austin Sindrick is going to join us. And later, we'll welcome a new member to the MRN family.
3: This is NASCAR Live. Now,
2: back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Austin Sindrick gets the call up at Team Penske this season to the number two NASCAR Cup Series Ford Mustang. He's going to step into the car that's been vacated by Brad Keselowski. And Austin's been keeping busy prior to the start of the season. Matter of fact, he's going to participate this weekend in the Rolex 24 at Daytona. Our Steve Post caught up with Austin at NASCAR Media Days to discuss his expectations heading into his rookie season in the Cup Series.
1: New season, rookie year, seven starts last year. Kind of what are your expectations going into this year?
4: Yeah, a, a lot of newness and a lot of change. You know, you think you think about just moving up to the Cup Series as a rookie in general. I'm working with a new, new team, new group of guys, new competitors. Um, but now you, you factor in having a new car. and There's some new tracks on the schedule. A lot of newness uh, for, for me and a lot to adapt to. And um, But at the same time, change is the opportunity for everybody.
1: You take over the number two car, and there's – been i'm sure there's former drivers in it but in recent history of penske racing there's two hall of famers that have driven the car rusty wallace and brad keselowski what is what does that mean to take over a car that has had such a rich
4: pedigree you think it would be added added pressure obviously i have a great great understanding for for what that car means to to our team and kind of team penske's foundation and nascar but um I don't necessarily see it as pressure or, or motivation honestly it's for me it's a source of pride uh, obviously I, I know the people that I'm representing and in the, the drivers that have been successful in the past and I'm looking forward to starting a new chapter for the two car you have a dog named Wallace is that coincidence or is it Rusty Wallace related it is what Rusty Wallace related um, Wallace is a is a rescue dog and he's kind of a reddish brownish uh, tinge uh, coat Um and when we saw him online, they they, they classified they, he didn't know the name, but they classified him as rusty red. But in his picture he's like standing up very proud and proper he looks more like a wallace than a rusty so uh so we named him wallace one of the things you're doing this off season coming up is the
1: rolex 24 i think it's your fourth time uh but it's been a couple years uh how important is it just getting back to that race and 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 getting a chance to 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 run
4: that endurance race Uh, personally it's important i I would say there's there's two things that have kind of defined my career paths in in two different types of racing I would say Bristol Motor Speedway has defined my career as a NASCAR driver um, for various reasons Um, and and I would say that the Rolex 24 has defined my career as a sports car racer just it in the sense that every off season, whether if I've been in a NASCAR, had a NASCAR career or not, um, it is, it is the never ending battle to try and find not just a, a seat, but a quality seat in that race. You know, it's, it's obviously one of the biggest, uh, endurance racing events in the world. Um, but it's a great, uh, source, uh, to humble someone during the off season and especially the last two, not finding a ride, but, um, it, it's, it's quite a challenge. There's a lot of cars and a lot of teams. And, in this year with weather tech racing and, and the MG, um, I'm, I'm really excited because it's probably one of the best opportunities I've had. So um, I'm looking forward to it. It's 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 been uh, it's been two years since I've done the race, like you said. And, um, I've got there's a lot of races that I have on my bucket list of things that I want to do, and there's races I want to win. And the Rolex 24 is a race that I want to win, and um, I'm looking forward to to having another shot at it. Your best finish there is fifth. How how much how how challenging is it to
1: go into a race where there's so much out of your control like that? Whew
4: it makes it really hard to go to sleep at night. I am, I'm probably the worst about falling asleep in the middle of the race. Cause like my, my first Rolex, um, pitted from the lead, did the driver change, watched a little bit of the race. I'm like, all right, I, I gotta get some sleep. You know, it's, I can't, I can't be tired. I, don't, I cause I don't know what, what it's going to be like in two in the morning, you know, five in the morning when you haven't got any sleep and been driving the car. And I'm only you know 17, 18 years old. I, uh, but I finally convinced myself I should go to sleep. So I went to sleep and got in the bunk bed and, fell asleep i woke up <laughs> we're 15 laps down the right side of the car is torn off and it's raining <laughs> god <laughs> so ever since then i haven't been able to sleep very well because i'm always afraid something's going to happen not a le- let alone that but also like you're afraid that you're going to be needed and no one's going to be able to find you and so like those are like my two biggest fears that something something's going to happen and i'm going to miss it or somebody's going to need you and can't find you because you're asleep so um i am i wouldn't say i'm paranoid but uh I'll, I'll take the lack of sleep over, over not being in the right place. The that's just not a night of sleep. That's a nightmare right there. My God, to wake up with all of that. Holy cow, that's yeah. a real-life nightmare. And then I got in the car, and I spent the next six hours in the car because we were in and out of the garage repairing damage. So it was a, it was a long night for, uh, for a young Austin Sendrick. There you have it. Oh, my gosh.
2: Thank you, Posty. Coming up, we'll welcome a championship-winning crew chief to the MRN family. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. It was only a few short months ago when Todd Gordon announced to Pete Pistoni and me on Sirius XM that he would be stepping away from the pit box and retiring at the conclusion of the 2021 NASCAR Cup Series season. Motor Racing Network is pleased to announce that Todd Gordon will be a part of the MRN team. He'll appear in the booth at select NASCAR races. He'll also have a presence on several MRN platforms, including Crew Call with Steve
1: Post, who helped us welcome Todd to the team Joining us now in studio is our new Motor Racing Network analyst. You know, Motor Racing Network has been around forever and ever. It's kind of neat to have someone new here yeah. uh, and uh, Todd Gordon joins us. Hey man, how are you?
11: I'm good. Good. Got the rookie good.
1: strap in the back There we go. Welcome to the team. We appreciate you uh, joining us. You're going to uh, be uh, on some of our broadcasts. We've got crew call coming up and, and, and who knows what else, but, uh, but kind of neat and uh, it's got to be an interesting transition from you from off the pit box to to, to to the radio world.
11: Yeah, it definitely is and uh, uh, looking forward to the crew call and what we can what we can add to that and, and how we can get into a little bit of the nuts and bolts and, and keep it at a level that uh, that the listeners can can enjoy. And uh, I feel like I feel like that's one of the things that when I stepped off the pit box I wanted to be able to help with was just continuing to grow the education of the sport and explain these things to the to the, to the listeners and 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 what's going on with the sport cuz there's so much intricacy of what's going on. Oh. And, and just trying to break that down into nuts and bolts and level that people can com- communicate and understand.
1: January 2022. Um, January for a crew chief is usually the busiest, one of the busiest times. What's it, what's it been like for you this year not having to be at the shop for 15-hour days getting ready for the season? Really strange. Really, really? strange. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. Uh, you know,
11: you, you think about it and what you're going to do, but uh, – um, it, it's been, it's been strange to, to, to wake up in the morning and not feel like, oh my God, I'm late for work. You know, it's, it's not that five o'clock uh, alarm goes off. You got to get going, trying to, trying to digest what's going on. I've got a couple of things going on, obviously here at MRN and, and, uh, and tied into that. But the, the pace is definitely a, a different pace than what, what January's were for the past 23 years. So, um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's a little strange. I'm going to take some time to get used to it, but, uh, um, it's, it's, uh, Looking forward to getting race cars on race tracks. So we can get we can get digging back on this stuff.
1: Race cars on race tracks. There's a whole lot of new to unpack there. The race car. I know this is still progressing and everything. Just what's your what's your take on the next gen car? What you've seen, what you've heard so far? Really, really,
11: really, really, really cool. Yeah. Um I think it's a great opportunity for everybody. Uh, clean sheet of paper for all the teams. You know, we we talked about it. Um, you know, it's it's we've worked on the same stuff with truck arm suspensions and front geometries that even when we went from the old car to the COT, it was, we amalgamated a lot of the same things into it under a different body. Um, this is all new, new, new front geometry, new rears geometry, things to play with. It's a new car, new aero package. Uh, you know, I think it's been really cool through this month to watch all the teams interact with NASCAR and really get to making this a great race car. And, and And NASCAR would tell you right off the bat that when they first tested at Charlotte, it wasn't where they wanted it to be, but everybody dug in and, and, and worked together. That That's the thing that was probably the most exciting to me about the month of January was watching all the teams kind of work with NASCAR and, and get to a point where they've got a great product to
1: put on the racetrack. When we look at and, and, and it's also very manufacturer-driven uh, as well. You mentioned truck arms. I was talking to Kevin Kidd. He's one of the engineers, lead engineer over at uh, Keselowski Roush Fenway Racing. Hey, I said that right for the first time. How about that? Um, and he says, how much energy we've put into truck arms over the last 25 years, and they've not been on any street vehicle over that time period of cars. This car, this next-gen car is very modern also as it applies to, to, to Ford, GM, uh, Chevrolet, and Toyota as well.
11: Yeah, definitely. A transaxle, it's yeah. mounted... To- you know, solidly in the back of the car. You've got half shafts on both sides and upper and lower control arms. You can play with, you know, steer and, and bump and steer and toe and camber. It, it's all all open up for you to work with now. It's it, Before we had a solid axle rear housing. So mm-hmm. the the toe of the rear housing and the camber of the rear housing was pretty well specified before you, when you left the shop, you had a little bit of adjustment there, but th- th- there's tons of adjustment to work with these cars now. And in tons of things to work with. We saw... Uh, you, you and I were talking about earlier, but we saw cars at the Daytona <laughs> test driving back, you know, look like they were sideways bat, the wrong way. Uh, I think the 43 car might yeah. have had one going there. But those are all things to figure out because it's a whole new aero package and what works, what doesn't, and where where these cars work well. So... A lot of learning to do, which I think will make a, a lot of comers and goers here in the first ten races.
1: An exciting year for sure, and we're excited to have you join the team and uh, look forward to your um, your analysis over the course of uh, course of this season.
11: Yeah, hoping to hoping to be able to give a little bit and uh, first first race for me uh, on the race broadcast be California so part of that west coast swing
1: gonna be fun that's for sure todd gordon joining us here at motor racing network he'll be us on on some of our race broadcasts you can also catch him each week on our crew call program that'll be on all podcast platforms and right here on mrn thank you posty
2: we are so glad to have todd gordon a part of the motor racing network family folks that's all the time we have for for this week we'd like to thank jimmy johnson for joining us also our thanks to nascar hall of famer rusty wallace also austin Centric and Todd Gordon. For the rest of the MRN crew, I'm Mike Bagley. We thank you for joining us as well. We'll chat with you again next week right here on NASCAR Live. Until then, so long, everybody.
3: NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Today's broadcast was produced by Alexa Henrian and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.